Today is a great day. And the beautiful part about today is as we dig into God's word from the book of Acts, as we continue our series on the idea of a different world that not only we're living in, but the disciples were living in as the spirit was poured out on God's people and they had to discover how that spirit changed their activity in their world. We're living into that too. And it's beautiful that even this morning as we dig into God's word, we're doing so in a passage that is about the people gathering. And when they gather, what it is that God teaches them and God equips them with, so that as they leave the gathering, they can go out into the world around them and they can see God's ministry grow. As we dig into God's word this morning, let's pray for his blessing and his presence on our time. Father, thank you for being present. Thank you for others being present with us that we can celebrate the beauty of being in the same space here in this room in the patio. And Lord, that we also know that we share the same spiritual space as our brothers and sisters online. And we ask, oh God, in this space of sharing together, that we can be equipped by the power of your spirit, the power of your spirit that shakes the ground that we walk on, the power of your spirit that spreads out your your message through tongues of fire, even through the disciples as you showed it to us. Lord, we can be equipped in the same way to experience your power that shakes the earth, to experience your power that equips us to speak boldly, to love boldly, to be people who live boldly into the gospel of Jesus Christ in a world that is desperate for us. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you meet us in your word. Equip us through the power of your word to learn, to grow, to be transformed, and to be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 23. We're going to start with that first verse, verse 23, this morning. It says this there, On their release... Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So if you remember, last week we talked about what happened with Peter and John. Peter and John had healed a man, and out of that healing had been confronted because, if you remember, they healed through the powerful name of Jesus. And that meant that all the religious leaders and authorities were confronted with their actions during the crucifixion of Jesus. And because they were uncomfortably confronted with their actions, they commanded both Peter and John to no longer speak in the power of that name anymore. But Peter and John said, we can't do it. In fact, we'll revisit that question because it's such a wonderful question that they asked the religious leaders and authorities. But understand that as we see Peter and John live into what they're doing today, they're not the ministry of the church as the primary ministry of the church. They're just the voices you see them coming back in after their confrontation with the religious authorities, and they're coming back into the people who are the ministry of the church throughout the rest of the day and all the activity that the people do. 
And if you remember from earlier on in the book of Acts, that we're talking at this point about hundreds, even thousands of people who are becoming the disseminators of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want us to hear that this morning because it's important for us to be reminded that what we do here in this room and in this place on Sunday morning at 9.30 or online at 9.30 or even online on Tuesdays and Fridays at 7 o'clock or on Wednesdays at 12 or whenever it is that we do, quote unquote, the things of the church with people like myself, a pastor or worship director from the church, that we as a pastor or as a worship director are simply a couple of the voices that God has given us as a community to live into the gospel of Jesus Christ. The rest of you are the church. The rest of you are the ones who carry that gospel and that powerful message throughout whatever it is that you, you do. I don't know, and, and if you're ever talking with me and you're talking to me about a situation, maybe you have a friend and you're talking to that person about Jesus, but you're not sure if you're doing the right thing and you come to me, don't ever say these words to me, okay? Because I'll confront you with them. If you say to me, but I'm not a pastor, here's what I'm going to say back to you. But you're a minister. You're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are part of the body of Christ. You and I have tasks to do something that I'm just a mouthpiece for. Yes, I have a specific role and responsibility in this community, but you carry the gospel message equally, if not even more so, wherever it is that you are. Peter and John are showing us that through their behavior in this text. Yes, they confronted the authorities, but when they went back, in fact, very quickly, we see Peter and John disappear, and the rest of the people sort of carry the mantle of the Spirit. For us to hear that today, God has equipped you all, us all, to be ministers of the gospel, and you all have a context and a place in which you carry out that ministry with the power of God, and we're going to see how powerful that power is as we dig more into the text. Verse 24, it says this. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why did the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. So Peter and John, in a sense, give a message... This is what happened when we went and spoke to the religious leaders and authorities. And then the people receive that, and their first move is not to debate what it is that happened. 
They're not getting together and they're not living into um, um, sort of going and fighting against the religious leaders or the authorities. They're not going into having meetings. You know, I had somebody say this this week, um, reminding me. Oftentimes in the church, one of the problems that we have is we take ministry and we, we, we drive it to death, death by committee right? We get together and we have meetings about stuff, and we sit and talk about stuff. Even this morning, being in this place, do you know how many meetings it took for us to get here? I can tell you. We're talking probably in the nature of, uh, well, it's got to be hundreds of person hours to get to this place in meetings, conversations, all the things that went on. And, and that's good in the sense of you need to get things done, but the people here in the text of this scripture when confronted with the challenge show us the first move that all believers should take. And what is it? What's the first move? Prayer. Their first move is prayer, and it's a very specific kind of prayer as you look at it. Here's what is captured in that prayer. We have this. We have um, God's sovereignty. Where do we see God's sovereignty? We see, um, let's see here, sovereign Lord. That's how it begins. You made the heavens and the earth. You are the creator. So we see God's sovereignty. We see his authority. You are the one in charge. We also see his power. Look at some of the things that it says. It says um, that they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen in verse 28. All of this prayer acknowledges right from the beginning who God is and says, if we have a challenge, if we have a problem, then we're going to the one who has the greatest authority, the greatest sovereignty, and the greatest power. And if we're going to have a challenge, we're going to begin there. We're not going to simply discuss it or meet about it. We're not going to post something online about it or create a meme about it. We're going to get together for the purpose of welcoming into whatever challenge we face the sovereign, powerful, almighty God who's ultimately be the one to change whatever it is that we're experiencing. But you also notice one thing here, one more thing about what the people do. And you'll skip over it if you go too quickly. Because they say this in verse 27. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. If you go too quickly, you're going to miss that. Because they say, and the people of this city. Who are the people of this city? It's the city of Jerusalem. And what are they talking about? The time that they're talking about is the time of Jesus' arrest. And if you remember the story in the middle of the night when Pontius Pilate and the religious leaders were together, the people of Jerusalem shouted something. What is it that they shouted? What did they say? Crucify him. So the people of Jerusalem were responsible for that. Now, who are the people of Jerusalem? It's these people. In fact, 
if we understand how this story went, if you remember, there was a very small group of disciples on the day of Pentecost who got together in the upper room. Probably about maybe, at the most, 50 or 60 people who were gathered together in one space during the pour out of the Holy Spirit. Because all the other people had been a part of the group that before Pontius Pilate and the religious leaders and Herod had said, crucify him. These folks in this passage are in, and in this prayer, are doing confession. We've been a part of this. You've used even our disobedience to condemn Jesus. They are the people who are a part of shouting the words crucify. And I think that that's a good challenge for us to hear as we seek to tap in to the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if we're going to tap into the holy power of the Holy Spirit, then we need to be able to say, Lord, we've failed here. We've made some of those mistakes. We've committed some of those sins that are part of the problem. And even as we have some of these discussions in our culture right now about things like Black Lives Matter and issues of race, issues of violence, I know that's a complex complex conversation. And there are certainly many different views that are in this room on the patio and online as well. I get it. But for us to all be able to ask the question, to what degree am I a participant in the sin is a good place for us to start. It's a good place for us to be humble before others and say, how have I contributed to this? And as I think about those sorts of issues that are highlighted in our culture, I can certainly say that I have some guilt that I carry. The problem is, is that we say words like this, but I never did anything wrong, right? I never did anything. I never, you know, for example, one of the phrases that we say right now in our culture, I never held slaves. I never owned slaves. Okay, that may be true, but where? Was there a place? Was there a conversation? Were there behaviors? Were there things that you participated in that were a barrier? And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to throw guilt at you. I'm just asking us, encouraging us as God's people to be the first to do some good self-analysis and to say, if we want to be tapped into the Spirit, then we need to be the first to confess our own weakness, our own brokenness, so that as we move forward into whatever it is that is ahead for us, in issues of race or culture or ethnicity, in issues of finance, politics, dialogue, in issues of women, men, identity, sexuality, all those sorts of things. Whatever it is that we are willing to come to a space and begin from a space where we are willing to do some analysis through the power of the Holy Spirit and say, we might be part of the people. The people them, those people that we often condemn, we actually might be part of them in some way, shape, or form, taking some responsibility, doing some confession before the holy God and saying, in humility, Father, help me see those ways where I have lived into sin. That's a good place to start. Because then as we move forward in whatever conversation we're having, we do so understanding who we really are in the challenge we face. Verse 29 says this. says this, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. 
Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So their action plan, right as they think about the challenge of the religious leaders telling them not to uh, propagate the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, their action plan is, first of all, as we said, begin with prayer, acknowledging who God is. You're welcoming in his authority, his sovereignty, and his power. And then the next thing that they do is remind God of his promises. What does it say? 29, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak what? What is it? Your word with great boldness. What God has said. See, that's the beautiful part about the ideas that the disciples, that the ideas that the Bible is putting in front of us this morning, is it's forcing us and challenging us to think about where is going to be the source for our energy moving forward on whatever conversations we have to have in a challenging, broken, and and messed up world. It is beginning with the Word of God. Not just with, and, and friends, just not not just news networks, not just political parties, not just people who have blogs or vlogs that we like, but we begin with, our fundamental is in the word of God as it is spoken to us, and that word of God ultimately gives us great guidance, and it gives us understanding, and guess what? It's harder to figure out than you think it is. Because oftentimes, here's what happens. We they say something like, um, I mean, t- issue of immigration. We'll just take that issue. And we say, okay, um, issue of immigration. It's very simple, the issue of immigration. Um, God in the Old Testament, there are people who will say this. I'm just uh, uh, sort of parodying what, what it is that they would say. God in the Old Testament wanted Israel to have the promised land, and when they were going into the promised land, what did God do with all the people who are not Israelites? He said, drive them out of the land, or what? Drive them out of the land, or destroy them. Those are the two things. And they'll stop there. They'll stop there and say, that's what God wants us to do. Again, I'm parroting. The thing is, we know that the rest of God's word has other things to say about how we love the alien within our gates. If we're going to live into some of these challenging conversations, we have to be people. If we're going to know the power of God's word, we got to dig into it. We have to have challenging conversations. If we're going to talk and we're going to live into issues of race, then we're going to have to live into it digging deep in God's word, digging deep in whatever things are in front of us. Even when we think about the things like what's the future, what's the mission of the church in a, in a COVID world? What is it that we are to do as God's people as we love our community and serve the city of Redlands? We begin by tapping into the power of God's word and that power of God's word reminds us, first of all, in things like the greatest commandment, that we will love God first and we will love our neighbor as ourselves. We live in to the great commission that we will go out to this world and we will preach the gospel every creature and we will do so in the name of Jesus and the name of Jesus carries love and grace and hope we begin with God's word 
And then as we express God's word and the power of God's word, we have expectation that God's going to shape and form our message in different ways individually. He's going to shape and form it as Scott teaches it differently than the way Jody teaches it or that Pete shares it. But we have to begin with God's word first and not some other information source. And I think that's a challenge in our world because we begin with other things and then we come back to the Bible and have our Bible defend defend what we already think is right. Begin with God's word. Because when you do, what happens? Verse 31. After they prayed... The place where they were meeting was shaken. And then what? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God shows up. And I'm just telling you this. If you ever see in the scriptures that the earth shakes, take note. I mean, God has done something. There's a story not long before this one chronologically where the earth gets shaken. Do you remember that? What story was the earth shaken? Crucifixion. Christ redeemed us from our sin. The earth shakes. The people speak the word of God boldly, and the earth shakes. When the Spirit shows up, we can expect our world to be shaken around us. But see, that's what happens, is they ask that God would speak the word of God boldly through them, and then when God shows up, they do it. It means that, friends, we then are equipped, if we are willing to begin with that prayer, show us, Lord, who you are in your power and in your authority and in your sovereignty. We remind you of your promises to care for and equip your people for ministry in this world. We trust, Lord, the power of your word as you speak it through us, and as you give it to us, we're going to speak it, trusting that you're going to shake the world around us. But it takes believers who are willing to start in that place of submission to God and saying, you're in control. This is your thing. I'm a problem. I'm part of the problem. I confess my sin. As you change me and equip me in your spirit to go beyond myself, then the word of God can go out. We have to, as we live into all of this, live into, how many of you think the world is really complex right now? It's complex, right? I just talked to somebody this morning who said, I'm not sure what to do next. I'm not sure what God's plans are. I don't know what to do often in some of the challenges that I face as as your pastor and as a, a husband and as a father and as, Lord willing, very soon, three weeks, a grandfather. Great stuff. As I don't I don't know what to do, but you know what I do know? I can begin with prayer that centers on God's power. I can dig into God's word and learn more about the message that he speaks to me and to the world around me, about hard, complex, challenging things that I can understand that my primary move always is to be a person of love and grace because if I'm speaking love and grace, I'm speaking the language of Jesus. And as I do that and I speak, 
speak that word of God boldly in the world around me. I can expect then the world to shake, not because of my capacity, but because of the capacity of a sovereign, powerful, almighty God who equips me through the power of his word to be a part of the world getting changed. That takes work. That takes us. If we're going to live into this, friends, we're going to have to live into it in two ways. We're going to have to be people who, if we speak the power of God's word, what are we going to have to be? We're going to have to be people of the word. You're going to have to be people who dig in. Some of you are. You are students of scripture way more than I am, and I praise God for that. Continue to be equipped by that. But you know what else we're going to have to be? We're going to have to be people who do it together. That's the beautiful part about this passage is it brings God's people together and they live into this call of God to share the power of the Holy Spirit together. You see, it doesn't say here at the end of the passage, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and Peter and John were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. It doesn't say that. It says they were. It says that Jody is, and Harold is, Jeff is, and Marjorie is, Pete is, and Mario is, and Lewis is. It says that all of us, if we live into that, can carry the message of God's power of the Holy Spirit into the world around us as we live in that together as fellow followers of Jesus Christ. We got some discovery to do, friends, as a church. How are we going to carry this message? How are we going to learn to do that better? Because for the last three or four months, we've been very separate. We've been in our own spots. We've had to. Okay, then let's be together. This morning, we're together. In this place, we're together on the patio. We're together online. So let's live into that. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to do what it is that happened here in Acts chapter 4. We're going to... Start by praying. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bible to your favorite psalm. I don't know what your psalm is. Find one. Okay? Here's some great suggestions if you're not sure. Psalm 23, wonderful psalm. Many of you know it. Psalm 121, another wonderful psalm. I would encourage you not to turn to Psalm 119 because that's four pages long. Find a psalm that proclaims the glory and the grandeur of God. And for a minute, a couple minutes, here's what we're going to do. I want you to just read that passage. If you're on the patio, read that passage. If you're at home, read that passage. And I want you to, here's what I want you to do. Uncomfortable? That's okay. We're all uncomfortable. You're wearing masks. This is uncomfortable already. Let's just embrace it. I want you to read that passage out loud. I want you to just read it. Speak the word of God boldly. Here's the passage. You can uh, do other passages. Psalm 1 is a psalm about obedience, following Jesus, or following God in his commands for you. Uh, there's, There's others that you have that might be favorite. Psalm 49 is a wonderful one. Read that passage out loud wherever you are. I'm just going to give you an opportunity now. Speak the word of God boldly. You don't have to scream it. If you want to scream it, okay, fine. Otherwise, just speak it. Whisper it where you are. You got a couple minutes. Please do that now. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, rest in the shadow of the Almighty. 
will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the power snare, the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with all his feathers and under his wings. You will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the Lord of terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right side. But I will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. Deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him. And show him. If you're ever wondering what words to say when things get confusing around you, jump here. I just read Psalm 91. It's a psalm about God's refuge, being a refuge that I can trust in times of challenge and in weakness. That's a word that powers me, empowers me, encourages me, and challenges me, and reminds me that no matter what is ahead, God is my refuge. Digging into this and being willing to speak it, another spiritual discipline for your week ahead. Don't be afraid to, in your quiet space or wherever it is that you are, simply speak the word of God. Memorize a psalm or two. How many of you love Psalm 121? Uh, Psalm 121. Where does your help come from? Our help comes from the name of the Lord. I look to the mountains because I can see who God is in his creation through the mountains. Being encouraged by those words that come from the word of God empowers us then to go into a complex world and live it out. That's the beauty of all this because, and this is the final connection that I'm going to make, and it's wonderful because it brings us to the table. When we speak God's word, what are we speaking? We're speaking truth. We're speaking power. But if you also remember from John chapter 1, you're speaking the word of God who is Jesus, right? The word was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. When we speak God's word, we're speaking into the power of Jesus. And the power of Jesus is exactly what our world needs more of, right? It needs, it needs more of Christ. It needs more of his grace, more of his love, more of his redemption. So for us to speak God's word, expecting and believing that as we speak the truth of God, the earth will shake, connects us to the one who has given us that power through his death and resurrection. Friends, as we come to the table this morning, we're engaging in the power of transformation that this world so desperately needs. Let's pray. Father, 
We are so grateful for your power made manifest to us in the name and the power of Jesus. We proclaim to you our submission to that power, Lord, that you might carry us through your grace and love into a world that desperately needs more of you. We can be equipped, centered on your word, centered on your commands, centered on your Holy Spirit, that, Lord, in us connecting to who you are, that we know more of your love, your grace, Lord, your transformation, that we might carry those things to the world around us, which needs all of those things even more than it ever has before. Lord, we are the church. Equip us to be the church, your church, to a world that needs the church. In Christ we pray. Amen.